Welcome back to the Contracting Handbook. I'm your host, Mike Kenoki, General Contractor at Large, and today I speak with Michael Anchel of OA Design Build. And we go deep, fast, into a question raised by another contractor. Do we sound arrogant when we say we're the best to our clients, when we're good, when we're better? How do we present ourselves? How do we come across? To me, contracts are not a negotiation, but to Michael, there's a lot more nuance. Join Michael and I as we tackle these subjects and talk about how we got into contracting and the importance of our relationships. Now for a couple sound bites from the program. It's a great way to just jump into the deep end, isn't it? You know, there's always insecurities in life and, and then and then self-deprecation and diminishing our successes for what, for whatever reason. I just feel like the contract is, you know, not a negotiation. What do you want to be cheaper? Like, do you think that the store is going to give us a deal on the wood? <laughs> the contract document is not a negotiation. It, it's how we function. It's the rules of the game. We shouldn't be justifying the price. We should be explaining the price. We shouldn't equate the client asking questions about the numbers with the client necessarily. Um, does it ever feel to you like sometimes contractors will talk about this industry with all kinds, uh, you know, about how it, how, it, how it should be and what, what you know, uh, how they want clients to behave and then will themselves turn around and act completely antithetical to what they've expressed they want from their clients to other, to other industries. So the, the cheapness of that labor comes at the expense of cleanliness, friendship, loyalty, gratitude, a good, a well-run job. General contractors, more than uh, like a trade contractor, we're pretty complicated in terms of who we are because we're, we're casting massive nets at things and solving <laughs> all kinds of problems and you come you leave work and you're still trying to solve every problem around you you see stuff and you're just like i didn't know when i started a business that i'd be a slave to it i thought it was gonna be easy rather than staying in the same job we just changed the business we just changed changed what the business was so that it was something enjoyable business can do whatever we want it to do all the things i learned along the way have really helped me learn how to pivot in the business you go, okay, mm -hmm. I don't like this. So I need to figure out a way to make it like this. I think working with a contractor is about an experience, not just the product. You've got a couple of hours to figure out how they tick, what they're about, and how to guide them so they can say the experience, the, the beauty of the wilderness. And mm -hmm. right, just replace a couple of those words, right? They're spending their life savings on something that, that's going to be beautiful and amazing. And you want them to, you have that opportunity to facilitate, to guide them through that process. I love the imagery of we go out in the morning and we cast this net. There, there are all of our jobs, all of the projects, all the pieces on the table. And uh, it is new construction, a piece of cake. <laughs> I mean, the, our product is their experience. Our value proposition right is is our listening our our awareness our our insight i like that that when they feel the need to be to be big that that's a good red flag
Okay, everybody. Welcome back to the contracting handbook. Today, I have a guest on that I virtually met on Facebook uh, in a group discussion page where he's very active helping people and bantering about the biz. Uh, and when I go to his website, what stands out to me is 11 people, 23 years, 87 awards, one company. I'd like to introduce Michael Anschel of OA Design Build out of Minneapolis, St. Paul area. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. I've got to update my website. It's 27 years. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, you do. And probably a lot more awards over those last four. We got a, maybe a few more and a few more people too. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's still very impressive. So, cool. um, so I kind of want to start today, you know, obviously from that introduction, people know you're, you're doing, you're doing right and you're doing well. Um, so we'll get into some of your background of how you got here later, but the other day I was speaking with a contractor who said that their struggle with coming across as arrogant or conceited um, when talking to their clients, they don't want to sound arrogant or conceited when they're trying to say, Hey, I'm better than the competition. And in my head, I think, you know, I'm doing this long enough. Like I don't, I don't really have a problem saying that. And, and, and I don't really think you sound a person sounds arrogant, you know, cause you have to, set yourself aside. And, and if you're good at it, what's the problem saying, Hey, I'm good at this. And you can go with those people, but you can read about me or you can, you know, think about the conversations we've had and, and solid. So, you know, do we really have competition when we're at that point? And <clears throat> should we tell our clients how good we are? It's a, it's a great way to just jump into the deep end, isn't it? Uh, so, you know, it's so funny when you're talking about that, I was thinking about this article that Erica Mosta just wrote in um, Pro Remodeler about imposter syndrome and how prevalent it is um, amongst uh, the construction industry business owners, folks who like, I, I would put myself in the same boat for years, really struggled with any kind of praise or, um, you know, I always find reasons to diminish whatever it was. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, and to that end, you know, and being a Minnesotan, you know, we don't like, you know, we got this whole thing about, yeah, you know, soft sell, we don't push, you know, we're the, op the antithesis of a New Yorker, right? Um, th there can be that reluctance to boast, but, you know, when you said, do we have competition? Uh, my first thought was, I mean, in the vaguest kind of sense, yes, but what we really have are peers, I've got a lot of peers in the industry, some of whom um, do excellent work uh, and some of whom don't. Uh, and I think, I don't think we need to put other people, we don't think we need to push other people down to push ourselves up. And I mm -hmm. think stating we're really good at what we do doesn't, it doesn't require that we say we're better than others. I think that it comes across. If you know if you know what you're doing and you come to the homeowner with a kind of grace and openness and calmness, 
they're going to sense it just like we would sense it in any, in any other transaction. You know, when you're with somebody who's an authority on a subject and really knows it, you know it, right? You know that they know what they're talking about in, in their stillness, in their calmness, in their ability to listen to everything you've got to say, and then very gently, you know, nudge you in one direction or another versus the salesman who's just talking at a million miles an hour, trying to convince you something, mm-hmm. you know, that, that I think, if we find ourselves trying to convince a homeowner, then, then we're, we, we have a problem. But when we're, you know, saying, Hey, we do great work. It's just a statement of fact. We do great work. It just needs to be that simple. Yeah. So it's like a re, you have to reframe it a little bit, right? It's not about competition. Yeah. Uh, the, I think early on, for myself, there was a lot of insecurity in, in how I came across to people. Uh, my insecurities maybe showed more. And then that translated into not seeming confident maybe hmm. uh, when, when approaching clients. And that's where there's that fine line of, of someone feeling like they're bragging or boasting. Mm-hmm. But they're really, once you're confident with, with your craft and, and, and where your business is at, it definitely exudes from you that you know what you're doing and, and you've got this under control. But I think leading up to it, it can be a challenge for people. Uh, the early and, years. Yeah, certainly. I mean, the early to mid years. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's and, funny. And we all still have insecurities. You know, there's always insecurities yeah. in life and, and then, and then self-deprecation and diminishing our successes for what, for whatever reason, uh, you know, but go on, you were going to say something there. No, I was just going to say that. I think we all find ourselves in situations where we suddenly feel like maybe we have to live up to some higher level of expectation. You know, I, I sometimes use the, um, you know, when people really want to meet somebody famous, Right. And they, they're like, that person's achieved this and they're here and they've done this thing. And man, they must know X, Y, and Z. And that person is looking at somebody else and saying, oh man, if I could meet that other person, they've achieved. I mean, it's like this, it never really stops. You, um, you know, there's, there's always going to be a situation where you find yourself maybe feeling a little anxious or feeling like you don't belong there. You don't belong in the room. Like everybody in the room is way smarter and way more successful and they have bigger businesses. But the thing to remember, I think is everybody in that room has a room where they step into where they feel that way as well. And Mm -hmm. when you start to compensate for that and start to, you know, project overconfidence or state that, you know, things that you don't know, that's, that's when you get into trouble and everybody, I mean, so much, People like it when when people say, I don't I don't know what that is. I've never heard that term before. I'm totally unfamiliar. You know, I've never heard of a helical pier footing. I'm not going to pretend like I know what one is. Right. And then that opens up the opportunity for someone to say, hey, well, I, I can explain to you what it is. And now you've made a friend and they're no longer an adversary. I also think that um, that clients appreciate when you say you don't know and that you'll get back to them and you say, you know what, i it will deal with this, you know, I, I have to do a little research and I'll tell you later. 
Yeah, exactly. No, I don't. I don't know. Is like, it's an opening. It's a huge opening. It it creates this place for conversation and opportunity and possibility. And I, you know, I and I don't know, but let's figure it out, right? And it, yeah, it forces you to. It forces you to learn. It forces you to keep going, which you have to do because the everything gets so dulled when you just keep doing everything by muscle memory over and over and over again <laughs> there's some you know uh, uh faraday and um uh Fenneman, the, the the physicists have some really great great quotes about about the value of not knowing and i mean the the whole the realm of science and scientific exploration is rooted in not knowing and never knowing right no, no nobody know we don't ever they, they never say i know or this is you know, it's, it's a series of thoughts and investigations. I, yeah. Interesting. You know, I, I have my, one of my very first podcasts that I dropped in the show first season was called, you can't know everything. And, and, and the premise is basically that you can't know everything uses an opportunity, not as an excuse. Mm-hmm. And and uh, because I've seen it used both ways and uh, I got burned pretty bad when it was used as an excuse by one of my trade contractors uh, when something went very, very wrong on a project. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah. We went deep. deep. We dove deep. <laughs> <laughs> we dove deep. We're like, we're like nine minutes in this conversation and so deep. That's awesome. Um, so, okay. What do you oh, think? We got to go up for air. Yeah. <laughs> and then, okay. You know, you're confident you come across as this, and people know you're uh, working with the client. And then, you know, I, I feel like at this point, you know, sure, there's competition, there's people mm -hmm. out there, uh, but generally in my peer group a client's choosing the one of the us that they want to work with based mm -hmm. on based on a lot of its personality a lot of us are using the same subs a lot, we're using the same materials we're shopping at the same stores mm -hmm. for the most part except for specialty items um especially where you are yeah i mean oh, I'm, yeah. In a, I'm in a legitimate city my, my, what <laughs> All right. Um, Fairbanks is a big city. I know. I know. It's not. Oh, it's not a big city at all for, <laughs> for the interior of Alaska. It is. But um, yeah, we don't have a lot of options. But having said that, like, I, I just feel like the contract is, you know, not a negotiation. Like this whole thing. I see people negotiating contracts or, you know, someone wants a different price. And I just think, well, this is what it costs. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not a prick about it. I'm not like arrogant to them about it. I just say, but it's like, what do you want to be cheaper? Like, do you think that the store is going to give us a deal on the wood? Because everything else that's in there is how me and my, my trade contractors get paid. Yeah. You know what I mean? We, this is how we pay the bills and keep a business going. Man, I mean... <clears throat> This, this is this 
I, I would I, I don't think it should be controversial, but I feel like this subject is about to get really controversial. I feel like there's not I feel I watch a lot of contractors argue about this subject and most of them take a very uh, my way or the highway. This is how it is tone, which is different than what you're doing. So I don't want to lump you into that group. There's a difference between it's not a negotiation and I'm telling you what to do. You shouldn't be questioning me, right? They're, those are two different subjects. Mm -hmm. um, I, I would argue the client has every right to ask a billion questions and we have a job to answer them with patience uh, and uh, find out answers if we don't have, like that's, that is the, the I, our job is very much to service the client. It's a service industry. We're there to take care of that client, make them feel good and happy and loved and all of that fun stuff. But I would agree the contract document is not a negotiation. It, it's how we function. It's the rules of the game. Um, and it's the rules that we have in place. So if they don't want, if they don't like our rules of how we will behave and how we will operate and how we will purchase and how we will arrive at the site, um, then we're not a great fit, right? That's that's easy. I think I don't think I've ever had a client try to negotiate any of my contract terms, except for the financial ones, right? They they all understand a job site's a dangerous place. You don't let your kids walk through the job site. We're not going to take that risk and that liability, right? All of the nuts and boltsy parts of a good contract. And I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of our industry also operates with really poor contracts, which is a problem. But on the financial piece, I, you know, I go into this world of, of of trying to remove pain points. Like, where are the where are the places where we bump into with the client that repeatedly, I mean, like almost predictably, are going to be that hard part of the conversation? And how can I? make that easier and smoother and convey this is our this is the price maybe here's a better way um just to frame that uh rather than justifying the price like we don't we shouldn't be justifying the price we should be explaining the price we should be willing to explain how how we arrived at those numbers what those numbers consist of um we should demonstrate that we are thorough, meticulous, accurate, um, right? We're not throwing it down on the table and saying, well, that's my number. That's not contracting. That's, I don't know what the hell that is. That, a lot of our industry does that, right? They, they, they just randomly come up with numbers or they use you know, giant multipliers to come up with a number. They have no understanding of the mechanics that go behind it. And the client has every right to question them in that cir circumstance. But I think we shouldn't equate the client asking questions about the numbers with the client necessarily um, wanting the numbers to be other. I mean, I think there's that inauthentic fear that we jump to. I, I do it as well. I did it for years, still do it. When a client says, so about the price, about the cost of the work. And I think, oh man, right? I go that that place. But that's assuming that that's what, I'm, I'm making assumptions about their intentions. Mm -hmm. And how often is it that they mm -hmm. just want to understand the numbers? 
hundred percent. And, and I echo what you're saying. Uh, it is our job as contractors to guide and teach, you know, the whole way you're under contract. You do have to set boundaries as to mm-hmm. what hours of the day you're guiding and teaching. <laughs> yeah. You know? But, um, but that is absolutely part of the job explaining things along the way when they're worried about things. It doesn't matter if you think their worries are irrational. They just don't know because they've never seen this before mm-hmm. and it scares them and you just have to tell them it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we do operate with pretty crappy contracts. I, I'm super guilty of that. I've got a good one now, but I didn't. And it got me in a lot of trouble. Now, you know, you, you have a good contract and you have um, the negotiating becomes less. Like mm-hmm. if you don't end up in this negotiation thing because people understood from the beginning where everything is coming from, and where everything's going to. Mm-hmm. what ex- and expectations have been set so yeah and I, and I definitely wasn't uh I I I like how you parsed out the difference between you know my way or the highway versus this is not a negotiation but there's all these other things that we're willing that are part of it it's just you know I'm we're not just saying don't we're, we're just gonna do everything and you're not gonna be part of it my way or the highway. It's definitely, a, there's a difference. It's just and, that, go ahead. No, yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're meeting them in their space. We're literally meeting them in their space. You know, and we should afford them that the same treatment that we would want to be afforded. Does it ever feel to you like sometimes contractors will talk about this industry with all kinds, uh, you know, about how it, how it, how it should be and what, what, you know, uh, how they want clients to behave and then will themselves turn around and act completely antithetical to what they've expressed they want from their clients to other, to other industries. So, you know, they'll go, they'll say, why are people looking for the cheapest price? And at the same time, they're looking for the cheapest price themselves, you know, for whatever it is that they're buying for their personal lives. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, isn't that, isn't that just life? Like people just are mere, they're reflecting who they are. They're just projecting themselves, (laughs) you know? I mean, it, because I see what you're saying, you know, the, the guys that are shopping everybody's numbers and everything. I mean, you, once you establish excellent trade contract or trade relations, you're not really like shopping all your guys numbers, Mm -mm. guys or gals numbers you might use different trade contractors in certain situations because the other ones are too busy, but, but you're not, you're not running around getting three bids for, or four bids for every job, trying to, trying to make these guys give you the lowest number. You know, you want the number that's going to get the job done. Right. And, and, and and everybody's happy. And, And you want the, you want the trade contractor in the house who doesn't scare your client. They're, oh yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's a t- yeah, and I yeah, the guys who are shopping the subs, who beat the subs up, you know, and and then expect that they're going to be treated differently. Yeah, right. 
and they and the, they're probably making more money on their jobs. They probably have higher margins than I do, but for themselves. But what's the what's the what's the it's I don't know if there's longevity in in that approach. There's not loyalty. There's not longevity. Right. I mean, it's it's at, at everything comes at an expense. You know, first law of ecology, right? Everything goes. Every, everything is connected, right? Second, everything goes somewhere. Third, there's no free lunch. Fourth, nature bats last, right? It, if you treat people poorly, you will be treated poorly. It it it, it, it the the cheapness of that labor comes at the expense of cleanliness, friendship, loyalty, gratitude, a good, a well-run job. You know, I don't have to be on site with my subs. I mean, using the same electrician for 25 years, right? They're, and they're a decent sized shop. They have 60 guys. When COVID hit, uh, you know, and, and scheduling stuff has become a nightmare. Our jobs you know, we have clients ask us how we're doing for our jobs. If I, if I need an electrician or a plumber, if I need any of my trades on a job site today, I will get them. Right? Because they like working for us. We like working with them. Uh, we, we pay on time. We don't nickel and dime. We're nice to them when they show up. Yeah. We look to them as part of the team. Yeah. That's a relationship that they want to serve. They want, you know, it's like a benevolent dictatorship. Hmm. Uh, I, I really appreciate that uh, relationship that you're talking about. Cause I, I, I'm in the same boat pretty much. If I need them, they'll be there for me, you know, mm -hmm. as soon as they possibly can. Mm -hmm. If, if, if something comes up and I definitely owe them a lot more, I've say this over and over. I owe them a lot more favors than they owe me. Stacked, like, Isn't that the if, truth? If they, if they start calling in favors, man, I'm going to be booked for a year. <laughs> you know, and I was, as, as you said that, I was thinking there is that give and take, right? There's that same, that time when they say, hey, can I, can I push my start date? I've got this. Mm. And you say, yeah, it's, it's cool, right? Yeah. There is that, that ebb and flow that happens. And it, it comes because you, your partners, you know, yeah. there are happy yeah. contractors and angry contractors out there. I, I, you are a happy, you, you and I are, I think we're happy contractors. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty into this. Um, <laughs> I have, I have my days though. <laughs> but you know what I mean? We're not angry at life and right. kissing and, you know, spitting vinegar at every moment. And, you know, it's yeah. like, yeah, sometimes work is work. I, I'm a firm believer that some parts of the job should be hard and painful. That's why it's, and called, that's why it's called work and not fun. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, people sometimes, there's a difference between uh, your job and, and work. Yeah. Right? Parts of your job are fun. Parts of your job are work. Parts of your job are play. Uh, that when people throw that work-life balance nonsense out there, I, it makes me like internally, I get a little bit angry because you are very much alive when you are at work. And if you're not alive at work, you're missing something. 
if you think of, of life as being everything outside of work, that's, that's a pretty hollow existence, right? The, the, the goal is a balance between, you know, family, friends, uh, financial security, hobbies, quietness. I mean, it's, it's a striking a balance between all of these things in all aspects of life. And you, you take, you work, your job comes home with you because your family or your friends are part of your support system. You're not supposed to internalize it and shove it down into a ball until you get, you know, pancreatic cancer. You're supposed to bring it home and say, I'm struggling with this, or I had a great day. Like all of these things, look for input, look for, you know, I don't know. I'm heading off in a direction. Sorry. Well, we're, we are, I mean, I, I think general contractors more than uh, like a trade contractor, we're pretty complicated in terms of who we are because we're, we're casting massive nets at things and solving <laughs> all kinds of problems. And you come, you leave work and you're still trying to solve every problem around you. You see stuff and you're just like, this could, what, uh, that could be different. This could, you know, it's, it's, it's a very interesting life that way. I, I think we are pretty complicated people. And a lot of people come into contracting from, from just every different direction. And it's something I've been talking about with, with Brant Taylor and some other guys, uh, you know, is that we're entering from all different points, but a lot of us just came into construction. Mm-hmm just kind of like it just happened <laughs> because when we did... had different because we had different lives and many yeah. of the people i talked to did not start in construction it was a hobby or something like, like it was for me in a way and and so they've got this other life they had or other lives different careers and all of a sudden they're just like no i'm a home builder now and it makes sense mm -hmm. because what was go ahead no, I, you're, you're, I interrupted you. You got me all excited here. I wanted to ask, I, I was going to ask, wanted to ask you what your alternate reality, like what was your other, if this hadn't happened, what was your uh, path? I, I mean, I probably would have been, I probably would have been a biologist because that's what I went to school for. But I, I didn't fit the mold of going to an office. It's just, I don't, my bosses were always like, all right, you're kind of, you just do your thing. Because I, 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 I definitely worked hard. Um, but I saw my way of, I saw what needed to be done and I did it. And, you know, I was always given a lot of latitude. Um, but the framework of me, like having a job, a government job or, or a, you know, some sort of agency job just, it didn't fit my personality. And I also hmm. like to travel and I like my freedom to do what I want. I didn't know when I started a business that I'd be a slave to it. I thought it was going to be easy. I mean, I'm not a slave to it anymore. I've, I, I've really, you know, learned a lot and, and gotten it under control. But <laughs> when I, once I started hiring people and, and I became like middle management, basically, mm -hmm. um, because I was wearing all the hats. I was a little bit stressed out about that decision, but 
because I didn't have benefits or anything, but I, I, I wouldn't choose any other path now. Yeah. Um, totally. Yeah. I mean, I had an office job. I, <laughs> didn't I, love it. Didn't love it. <laughs> so that's funny. I, I had, uh, <clears throat> uh, I, I was going to, botany was my focus mm. and I was going to, wanted to do genetic modification of, uh, I want, I want to go into genetic modification of, uh, of plants. That was my, that was my direction. And my, my life went kind of all over the place and I went into a bunch of other different things and like you kind of landed here. Uh, and I, I agree. I wouldn't, I think back in the early days, I used to, I used to, I, I said to one of my friends, like, if I'm still doing this in five years, you need to take me off back and punch me in the face really hard. You know, you need to rattle my head. Um, but, you know, five years later, I said, well, in five, more, five years, you got to do, the, you know, same kind of that thing. And I realized what I had done is instead of continuing the same business, I had changed the business and changed the business and changed the, like what the business started out as was incidental. It just was kind of happening. And it was, a, it was evolving as a thing. You know, I was outside working with my hands, felt good. Like you said, then I have people. Now I'm managing people. This is different. And what we did as a company shifted. You know, we didn't have a purpose when we started other than, I don't know, we liked what we were doing. And as soon as we encountered a job that we didn't enjoy, we would find a way to make sure we never had to do that kind of a job again, you know, kind of adjust. You know, we ended up adjusting all the way over to, you know, being architecture and design and construction and, you know, having departments and all that crap. But rather than staying in the same job, we just changed the business. We just changed, changed what the business was so that it was something enjoyable, mm. you know, and because we can, right? We, we can, <laughs> business can do whatever we want it to do. We own it. You know. Yeah. And that's making me think, this is interesting. It's making me think about, you know, I, I was also a cook. I was a guide. You know, I started, I started work when I was a kid. Here we go. You know, like I, doing yeah. landscaping and painting houses. I was painting houses pretty much by myself as soon as I could move an extension ladder by myself. Cause my boss was like, I, he made so much money off me. Right. But, but, um, but all the, all the things I learned along the way have really helped me learn how to pivot in the business and go a different direction. You go, mm -hmm. okay, I don't like this. So I need to figure out a way to make it like this. And, and, you know, having those other careers and working with, working with all different kinds of people um, in managing expectations and stuff has really been a huge thing for me. You know, like, like being a guide in Alaska, you know, had to figure out what made the clients happy in the first mm -hmm. few hours of meeting them. You got five days. They're spending tons of money mm -hmm. and just focus on what those people are into and, and drive that conversation towards what they're into. Nothing else, no distractions that are going to bring them away from this experience of seeing wildlife and, and this amazing Alaskan adventure they're on. They're spending their life savings on, 
and and uh, and just driving that experience, and it, and it really has translated into how I drive my experience with my business because I think working with a contractor is about an experience, not just the product, because it's yeah. a long it's a long relationship, and when those people are writing those big checks, you want them to be happy they're writing them, and that they've been taken care of, and. I think you just, I think you just did the best. That was the best description of contracting that I think I've heard. You've got a couple of hours to figure out how they tick, what they're about and how to guide them so they can say they experience the, the beauty of the wilderness and mm -hmm. right. Just replace a couple of those words, right. They're spending their life savings on something that, that's going to be beautiful and amazing. And you want them to, you have that opportunity to facilitate, to guide them through that process. Mm -hmm. Right. We're not going to camp there because that's a moose trail and that would be bad news bears. Right. So, you know, that's the same reason why we're not going to frame the wall that way. Cause that would be dumb. <laughs> I mean, it's not really that different. Yeah. Yeah, there's parallels between everything. And I, and, I, and I think that's, you know, it's just so fascinating because so, because so many contractors came from something else. They, mm -hmm. weren't just, they weren't just in a trade. They just came across it in life. Like, okay, this is a way I can, I can live. That I, and, and, you, and you draw from so many experiences. And it's really, it's problem solvers that are drawn to it, right? Oh, that nets analogy that you used about casting nets. I've, that's mm. just sitting, it's sitting and percolating in my head. I've got just, mm. I love the imagery of, we go out in the morning and we cast this net. There, there are all of our jobs, all of the projects, all the pieces on the table. And uh, if you don't love the pull, if you don't love getting pulled around to problem solve and and think and I mean everything is a one-off everything is new at least for us in remodeling we are it is never the same project even if it's the same project it's not the same project there's things about it that are different new construction which we do as well is so easy by comparison you know yeah we dig a hole we build a house yay <laughs> I know I know you know the for years I I, I wanted to build houses, you know, cause I'd built my own and I wanted to build houses for clients and I couldn't get the people. And, you know, I'll, my website's all about remodels, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, I'll build a house. Like, I want to build your house. That's easy. You should <laughs> come and look at these jobs I'm doing. Come and look at how I'm figuring out how to fit stuff into existing space. Yeah. And all the problems I'm finding on the way, like, I know how to not create future problems because I'm, because I've solved so many other problems. It took, took a while for people to really get that. Cause it, it is new construction, a piece of cake. <laughs> I mean, the, the trick it about is. new construction is just staying on, uh, just staying on schedule. Yeah. And That's you're it. not in their house. You're not in their space. There's no right. mess. Yeah. You got room to work. Yeah. You know, and yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've got, a, I've got some friends on the new construction side and they think what we do is nuts. 
you know, the, the big recession that hit in, in, uh, in 07, there were some new construction guys that, you know, their new construction business dried up and they started, they opened up remodeling divisions and, uh, you know, within, within months, they were just like, well, this sucks. This is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and most of them within a couple of years got rid of that remodeling division. You know, the economy came back, they went back to doing new homes. It, the customers, it, it is a, it's a service industry. It's not a product and we don't, we don't have a product, you know, it is. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is a service industry. Our product is our, is our, is our experience. Our, in so our, many ways. It, it's our experience. Um, I mean, the experience. Their people experience. Have. Yeah. It's their, their experience. Yeah. That's yeah. Our product That's, is their experience, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes. And I like your guide again, back to their guide analogy, you know, it, our, our value proposition, right. Is, is our listening, our, our awareness, uh, our, our insight, our ability to, you know, whether it's you're reading the weather and you make the decision to stop for the day or to move forward. Right. And it's either, it's the difference between being wet and uncomfortable and being dry and comfortable. And, you know, when we look at a job and we say, yeah, we could open up that wall or we could do this, this, and the other thing, or, you know, how we navigate that process for them, whether they can even live through the job, right? We make a determination based on them, their personality, you know, all, a whole bunch of things. Can you stay in the house while we remodel your kitchen? Is that a good idea? Yes or no, right? You got four I, kids. I'm guessing this is going to be really tough <laughs> to have no kitchen. Yeah. Kitchen remodels are always tricky. Yeah. Oh my God. So a really good friend of mine, Carl Seville, who is a recovering, he's a recovered remodeler. He's out of the business. Uh, he, he had a good, good for him. Good, good going, Carl. Good <laughs> going, making, buddy. Smart move. He's making like mad money doing uh they do green home building consulting they do like all the the green rating stuff for right he's he's make he made a lot of money in construction sawhorse was a huge company in atlanta he did you know the ten thousand square foot homes the the big stuff mm. he's he's like he's like i make so much more money in consulting work it's he's like i don't know why i ever got into construction it was the like terrible terrible idea but he has this thing he said though that you know we talk about little red flags you know when you go on an interview with the client and you're interviewing them they think they're interviewing you but you're interviewing them to determine if you're a good fit if they didn't have kids it was it was he could say without almost every time with a certainty they would be a difficult client mm. because they had never experienced the chaos of parenting mm. and that that people who had kids who understood mess and chaos and things change. And, you know, the kid's sick today. So, you know, schedule change, right? That, that's, that's like life with children is very different than life without children. And that they could manage the chaos of construction and the changes in schedules with greater ease than those who had their very like, you know, she-she lifestyle with uh, no disturbances. Yeah, I, I've, I've never thought about that, but I can't think of a time when I've ever worked for someone who didn't who didn't have children. 
But I can tell you this, that, well, you know this already, that, you know, there's some dudes who just think they're natural born construction contractors, you know, even though they have like built a shed and, um, and, uh, you know, you go to their house to look at a job and like, well, why would you do it that way? And, and you're like, I, I'm actually in your head. You're like, I'm politely, I'm trying to politely figure out how to leave this house as soon as possible. Cause I'm not going to work for this guy. No chance, no chance. Right. Like you blew it the minute I walked in the door and like, were you even going to hire me? You just want to like have me come over so you could feel big. Like, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but you're, but it is interesting. Cause it, 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 it's definitely not. I like that, that when they feel the need to be, to be big, that that's a good red flag. Oh man. Yep. I, um, I love sharing information with people. I, I, I'd love talking about work, but in public, you know, I, I definitely try to manage that a bit because I don't want to just talk about work all the time. <laughs> I like helping people. Yeah. But then, you know, when that guy's out and he's in that crowd and you're just like, Oh God, like calm down. <laughs> I so. do love talking about my job. I sometimes I, sometimes I feel like uh, I've become dull as a result, but people are interested in it. No. People are interested. I mean, it's our, why wouldn't people want to hear more about a home and like, what's, what's how, how, how it is, what's it, what is, what's it made of and stuff. I find that people are actually super fascinated. I mean, builders are, I keep saying this on every show, but builders are revered where I live mm-hmm. and where I live. A lot of people build their own houses though. Cause you don't need any permits. You don't need anything. You just buy land and throw something up. Oui. Yeah. You don't need inspectors outside the city so i'm doing a job in the city right now the city the illegitimate city as you might have yeah the Ill- are you an illegitimate city um um but um in the borough itself you can do anything you want that's why there's some poorly built houses here and when i started building i bought a book and then i asked the guys down at the bar who were you know older than me how to do stuff i go down there and buy them a couple beers and be like how do i do a vapor barrier and they'd be like, they'd come over and be like, this is how you do it. Nice. What was the book? It was Do It Yourself House Building by George Nash. Nice. Yeah, it came out in like the late 80s or something. And I bought it in 98. I love it. I love the parallels here. So uh, my the first... Uh, I, we got a job from a client to build an addition. This is, this is a crazy story. I, I meet this, I go on this lead. This client says, uh, I've got a couple projects with this bathroom remodel. Um, you know, I want to put an addition on my house. And like we do restoration work at this point, And I'm trying to like transition out of restoration into doing more remodeling. And um so I'm really, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to present myself as being super, yeah, no problem. Yep. We can do that. No problem. I've never done it before in my life. And he says, well, if you can, before we hire you for that, we need you to pick the colors for our daughter's rooms. 
and if they like the colors, you know, then then we'll talk about Beth. Because I had no portfolio of design work to show, right? Mm-hmm. I picked two colors. I get a call a month later. Their their daughters who are never satisfied with anything that their parents do are in love with their rooms. Like nailed the color, right? They think it's awesome. So we get the bathroom remodel project and the addition. So I went out and bought the Journal uh, Journal of Light Construction Handbook <laughs> and went to the library and bought a couple books on framing. Mm. And a buddy of mine who worked at a restaurant who I, you know, was like a part-time carpenter, I hired him and we're on the job site. We've hand framed all these rafters and bird's mouth and all this fun stuff. And we got an inspection and the inspector walks in the site and I'm kind of trying to, I realize I got these books are open and lying in the corner of the room and I'm trying to like stand in front of them so he doesn't think that we're total like noobs and don't know what we're doing. And he looks at the frame. He's like, wow, this is really good. And he looks over, he sees the books and he's like, books on a job site make me happy. I love that you guys are like, you know, you're going to the pros who wrote the book on how to do it, to learn how to do it rather than trying to figure it out and, and hack it together. And like your guys at the bar, I realized that the building inspectors were our best friends. And so anytime I ran into something where I was like, ah, what's the best way to do this? I'd call up the building inspector and be like, you know, Rick, how would you put this together? What would you like to see when you come on site? And he'd swing by and he'd walk me through how he wanted it. And I was like, man, it's so much easier. There's so much great material out there. You're Bill Rose's book on water and buildings. You've got building science corporations, building for cold climate. Like there's a wealth of how to do it right. Mm-hmm. So much good literature out there. Absolutely. We, there's yeah. Yeah. Lots of people have figured it out for us, by the way, like Gerstel's books, right. How to run a construction, how to run a successful construction company. Like I read that back in like 97. It was like, Oh, <laughs> here, here's how to do it. Yeah. We stand on the shoulders of giants to get to where we are for sure. And yeah. Hey, and those guys, uh, at the bar, um, that's because that bar was about a mile from my house. Those guys were also guys who were throwing blocks that were cut wrong back at me the summer before. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then when I was building my own place, they had my back completely. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, I had some experience building, but I didn't, I definitely didn't know everything in any way. So as I built that house, I was like, I was reading chapters and like applying it the next day or just sitting there in the cold reading at the job site going, okay. Yeah. So that's that mindset. You said that, that we're, we're unique creatures in this industry. And I think to that very point, knowledge is fascinating, you know, l- learning new stuff and new techniques and new, it, like that stuff has got to fascinate you. Yeah. Yeah. You can't be dispassionate. You can't be, you can't, you have to be driven and passionate. There's a book. Can I, can I, there's a book that you, that I'm going to make a recommendation for a book that I think you will love. Okay. Uh, uh, hold on a second. Oh, we got, we got a whole bunch of books you'd love. The company we keep Norm Abrams is a good book, but the book I was thinking of is um, it's called exuberance. Hmm. 
by Dr. by Dr. K. Redfield Jameson. Um, and Leo Kotke, do you know Leo Kotke? Yeah. Yeah. So Leo Kotke is the one who introduced this book to me. Mm. And he was, he was like this book, you know, and he's not, he's not a very animated individual. So, and he's like, Whoa. no, he's kind of cynical. <laughs> um, you know, and, Leo Kotke? Like um, he, he actually like was like, Hey, Michael, you should read this book or. Well, no, not that close. I, I've met him a couple of times, but you know, he wasn't like, Hey, Michael, no, he was more, <laughs> he, he was here in Minneapolis and he was mm. on stage and he's like, I'm reading this book. Whew. Holy smoke. You know, it was like, Oh, cool. Um, I've seen him three times. I think he's, he's amazing. Right. He used to come here a lot. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, I, Oh, I can't remember if he's from North Dakota or Minnesota, but he spends a lot of time. He spent a lot of time here and now he doesn't. Now he's somewhere in the South, I think. But anyway, beside the point, this book exuberance. Um, you'll love it, but it, it kind of gets to this, what we were just talking about, you know, like people like hearing about houses and, and we like talking about this stuff and there's a fuel that comes from um, there's an exuberance. Like when we're excited about this stuff, what we put out there and the way that we talk about the process or the materials or high performance building envelopes or right. You know, the people around you are get excited because you're excited about the stuff that you're learning. And if you have a job where you get to live into exuberance and, and be in that state for even just a part of the day, even just for a sec, right? It, you know, when you meet somebody who, you know, they're bubbling and they're kind of brimming over with enthusiasm and excitement for whatever the hell it is that they do, you know? Yeah. I will, I'll definitely check that book out when I get back to my reading stage. I get into reading mode in winter. In summer, in summer I'm a little, it's a little different here because, you know, it's, 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 there's no night for three months where I live in summer and I know I've been there, you know, we've been on for almost an hour and I haven't asked you a single question that I, that I put on my, <laughs> I haven't even touched. I haven't even looked up at this <laughs> preparation I did for you. Um, well, let's, so, let's hit, let's, let's punch them. I don't, how long is the, how long do we have? How long is this? We show? have as long as we have, as long as you, uh, how long do you have? Well, this is, that's yeah. dangerous. We, we need to put limits on ourselves. Okay. This will be the longest podcast in the history of podcasts. Do you think that the people listening to this should subscribe to this podcast? <laughs> I think it's awesome what you're doing, Mike. I really do. I think that the the way that you're holding these conversations and bringing these sub bringing these subjects into conversation and the individuals that you're connecting with and the the purpose for um, creating this possibility for the industry to be better and to to be more navigable is it's a pretty noble pursuit so kudos so right. subscribe to this podcast yeah and uh and give us a rating and you can do a you can leave a rating on itunes your podcast app or you can actually leave one on my website now because i have a new website where you can go to it you can subscribe to my newsletter and then 
you can actually write whatever you want. You can say those guys did not talk about construction enough. They talked about whatever they're into. One star. It's fine. Or you could give me a five star review because that'd be better. Um, you can follow Michael and see his work at, uh, at OA builds. And you could check out their website too. OADesignBuild.com. You can follow me at the contracting handbook on Instagram and the hammer app. I'm just Mike Kenoki there. And I'm also Mike Kenoki on Patreon where you can make a contribution for the content of the show. You can find a link to that in the show notes or in the link tree on my Instagram page. Thanks a lot. That's all I got later. 